Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. <laughs> well, I have heard that we've had uh, this month the most 80 degree days ever in, uh, in the month of April. Have you, any of, any of you hear that? Yeah, I heard that too. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I know I've been enjoying uh, the great weather. Uh, there's a website uh, called Snoops. Have any of you ever been on that website? It, it tells you whether or not something is true. Uh, some things that I uh, actually was looking at on that website, uh, when the old saying, uh, lightning doesn't strike twice, Did, is that true or not true? Yeah, that's false. Do you know that it does and it often strikes twice in the same place? Uh, I also heard this, that McDonald's is going to start uh, all-you-can-eat French fries. That, thank the Lord Jesus Christ, is true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they have this pilot program in St. Louis, Missouri... Uh, sorry for you Midwest people, but it sort of figures it would be out in the Midwest. And uh, they're starting, oh, I know, that was a little judgmental of me. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. Anyway, but they have, uh, so we're going to have all you can eat, French fries. Uh, uh, blind as a bat. Is that true or not true? Ooh, you're not, ooh, that's, come on, you're not sure about that one, are you? There are 1,200 species uh, or, or different variations of bats, and uh, they all can see you. That doesn't make me feel any better. I don't know about you. Uh, and then, uh, true or not true, uh, I just drove back uh, not too many hours ago from California. True, yeah, many of you don't even care if that was, uh, so, <laughs> that's uh, great, you know. My friends in, in Issaquah, Duval, Bothell, hopefully you're nicer than the people are here today. No, it's true, uh, we, it's 24 hours from Phoenix, Arizona, uh, where my daughter has just finished up her sophomore year of college, uh, back here, and so uh, we drove up back together, we sort of split the driving, I drove for about 22 and a half hours, she did about an hour and a half, and uh, so that was, that is true, by the way. And uh, we, we, we did stop once. We uh, stopped at a hotel, and I introduced her to these, like, these really hotels that she's never had the opportunity to experience before, the kind that have, like, you know, when you get up, they serve you those fresh powdered eggs in the morning, uh, and you get to hear the roar of the freeway at night. And so uh, we just got, uh, got back. One of the things I love is just hanging out with my kids. We used to go uh, to the malls. They still do. I usually stay home these days. But when we would go to the malls, one of the things that we would love to do is we'd see people and we'd play a game. We would guess what that person did for a living by looking at them. And so, you know, someone would walk along and we're like, okay, doctor, uh, meat cutter, 
uh, <laughs> you know, whatever, uh, you know, zoologist, whatever, we would uh, guess. And it was sort of a fun game, and uh, we would come up with all this crazy uh, stuff. But the truth is, is that uh, you really can't guess what someone does usually uh, by looking at them. Now, in ancient culture, that was not true. And I'm going to get back to that in a moment. Uh, but first, let's, let me remind you where we've been in this series, uh, Too Good to be True. It's based on the book of Colossians. Uh, it's a, a little book in the Bible that uh, God used a guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul, to write it around 60 A.D. to this group of people he had never uh, visited before, but he'd heard about their incredible faith. He had also heard that there had been people who had come and tried to dilute it, and there had been discouragement along the way. And we've gone through this letter, and I'm going to finish it up next week. Uh, and we, we saw that the first thing the Apostle Paul says is, hey, you are not your past. You're more than your past. And when they were uh, sort of confused about, you know, is God real and can I really know him? He said, yeah, you can in the person of Jesus. Uh, you can really know him. And then they, they were wondering if they could really be part of God's family. And uh, we looked last week at the community that God calls us to. It's, it's a special kind of family. And then uh, this week, uh, we're, we're really going to look at can we have lasting uh, positive change in our life? And so as we do this, one of the things you're going to see is there's a clothing metaphor throughout, which I don't know about you, I think it's a little bit weird, until you understand the context of where the Apostle Paul wrote this letter. He wrote it, uh, of course, to Colossae, uh, an ancient city, but they were uh, the center of the garment industry at that time. There, it was surrounded uh, by fields of, of uh, cotton, and they would make uh, they would make clothes. In fact, they would uh, dye them. They had this certain dye, uh, this red dye, which was unique to them. And so people understood uh, what the clothing industry was about. And so when the Apostle Paul talks to them about real uh, lasting personal change, uh, he uses this metaphor again and again. Now, when we think of clothing in the ancient world, in ancient Rome, what do you think of? Yeah, toga. <laughs> Any of you ever been to a toga party? Come on, you could admit it. We're among friends. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to tell us what you did there. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, but when we think about it, we think of uh, a toga. And it, it, in the ancient world, uh, the toga was not the basic staple staple. They'd use a tunic, which is basically like a, a long shirt. There were, uh, if you were someone who was wealthier, had more power, then you would have another garment over that, which would be a toga. And then there would be a, a ring too, a signet ring, which would be a, uh, really would show your identity. It would almost be like your signature. And people in the ancient world, they just didn't uh, go and say, hey, you know, this is the clothes I'm going to pick out today. The, when you looked at someone, you could really tell who they were by their clothes. And so the Apostle Paul, uh, when he's talking about identity, he knew that would be a way that they would understand uh, 
what their identity was by just looking at someone. And so we're going to see the identity that God calls us from. And this is something that we may not want to really think about much. Uh, where we've been, maybe where we're at now, we live in ways that, that don't maybe represent who we believe we should be, who we want to be. But we need to deal with that to understand what God is calling us to. So the first thing we read in Colossians 3, 5 through 8, and if you'll take your outline out of your program if you haven't already, uh, it says, put to death. And before we go any further, uh, put to death, that's pretty strong language, right? Uh, whether you're pro-death penalty or anti-death penalty, we understand, you know, that it's a pretty final form of punishment, isn't it? It says, be done with it. Don't mess around with it anymore. And I've got to tell you, as we're going to look at some things and, and things to avoid, I would say that a lot of us would say, I'll put it on hold. I'll put it on pause. I'll, I'll sort of not do it as much. And if you want real change in your life, you know this, right? Any of you who've uh, been on a diet and you say, I'll just cheat just a little. How does that work out for you? It doesn't work. You have to know I've made a decision where I'm going, and I believe it's going to lead someplace positive. So he says, uh, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. If we're going to be honest, we look at that list, and most of us would say, uh, you know, I do any of you struggle just a little bit with one of those things? Come on, I want everyone's hands up high so we can spot who the liars are with their hands down. <laughs> the... Uh, Every week, I have people come to my office, and honestly, I'll say this, it's not, it's not maybe just because they regret those behaviors, it's what it led to. And they'll say, my marriage is falling apart because of, I lost my job, my kids don't respect me anymore, I feel this sort of, this sense of numbness on the inside. God's love is often expressed in his ability to see beyond what you can see, that he knows everything, and he knows where a lot of these things will lead you. In fact, I get this every once in a while. I'll, I'll get this. I mean, I just got this recently uh, from someone. Hey, did my wife tell you what was going on? Because today is like she must have told you because it seems like you were talking about what was going on in our home. I'm like, nah, I have friends at the NSA. That's how I figure this out. The, no, it's just, it's so common what we deal with. And, you know, we'll make progress in certain areas of our life. In other areas, uh, we get stuck. I mean, it, it, I, I've talked about this before uh, when it came to abusing alcohol. It, after I came to Christ, was a problem for me. 
one of those areas, I'm doing really, really good. I, I rarely get drunk before I preach anymore. The, uh, <laughs> so I, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, lying. Oh, I used to avoid conflict like anything. I, I don't really do that anymore. I try to be tactful, but I'm just committed to telling the whole truth the whole time. There's areas where I still struggle. Anger. Yeah, area still struggle. I don't give myself a hall pass, but man, this is an area where I, I wish I had made more progress in the last few years uh, than, than I have. Talks about coarse language. I can have a bit of a potty mouth. Uh, and uh, you say, I've never heard you swear. <laughs> Well, have we ever played sports together or not? <laughs> have you ever driven in front of me on the freeway? The, uh, and uh, it's just one of those areas I'm like, come on. Where in the world is this coming from? And uh, studies show, and this is, by the way, secular. This is not, you know, Christian theological. Uh, where all of this comes from, the root of the problem. Uh, the first place, and this is your first feeling, is self-perception. How I view myself. Uh, we view ourselves in terms of our faults. I just lose my temper. It's just the way I was raised. And we have an identity with our problems. And the truth is, we need to eradicate that from our thinking. That we are not our faults. If you were here last week, I, I, I talked about uh, when Jesus was there and, and the woman who was caught in adultery and, and, and he said, I refuse to judge you by the worst moment of your life. But then he says, go and sin no more. Well, if Jesus operates that way, why are we still operating that way? See, it'll also lead to resentment. Uh, we're hurt and when we're hurt, we sort of give ourselves a hall pass for destructive behavior towards others and towards ourself. And then there's pain. Pain can cause this. When uh, we're hurting, uh, it can, for some of us, it can destroy our faith. By the way, if you were uh, maybe raised in or maybe even part of a, a religious group where part of the bargain that they said is accept Jesus and uh, he will clean up your past and you can live a life that is pain-free. It'll just be all health and wealth. That's not true. The Bible never promises that. It does promise blessing. And in that blessing, there are financial miracles more than you can imagine. In fact, some of you don't believe in miracles enough. In fact, I would say that's many of us. But God never promises you that this side of heaven. And so we're surprised by pain, and pain can be the very thing that God will use to draw us to him to refine our character. I'll tell you what, I don't seek out pain uh, at all. But I know that God can even use that. God can even use our unanswered prayers. I'm going to talk about that next week. To answer the prayers that are really at the core of who we are. And then there's uh, negative influence. Uh, people who we hang out with. Uh, Andy Stanley, I believe it is, uh, says, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. And so we, got, we have to watch out. But 
still, there's a difference here as we look at the root of the problem uh, between a legalistic solution and a grace-filled solution when it comes to all of this. Uh, we need to deal with the root issues, not just tell ourselves, stop doing it, do better. In fact, I, when I usually hear messages, not all, thankfully, but usually you hear a message on a pas passage like this, and it'll be three points. Point one, God says don't do these things. Point two, you do these things. Point three, you shouldn't do these things. Let's close in prayer. That's not very helpful, is it? And we think, well, that just should be the way. The Bible doesn't stop there, and so you shouldn't either. By the way, when you're in relationship with other people, and you're giving that kind of advice, don't do that. God doesn't stop there at all. He, he shows us a way out, a pattern of living where we can move even this side of heaven, breaking free from self-destructive patterns. Well, how does it begin? Number one, it starts with how you see you. It starts with how you see yourself. Now, as I mentioned, uh, the metaphor around clothing is used again and again and again. Now, uh, how many of you have ever seen the show, What Not to Wear? That's, uh, yeah, a lot of you have seen that. Uh, not one that I've watched uh, that often, just to let you know. <laughs> I'm going to say that in a real deep voice. So, the, uh, uh, how many of you, uh, uh, it's basically someone who needs a makeover. Uh, how many of you live in secret fear that they're going to show up <laughs> at your place someday? Um, there are people who are desperate for clothing advice, and uh, someone will turn them in for a personal makeover. Uh, here are some examples uh, right here. This is Melissa, and uh, she has done very well. She's moved up the ranks in law enforcement. And see, part of the premise is this, is that your outside needs to reveal your inside. Uh, but Melissa dresses like her twin. The problem is her twin is a brother. <laughs> and so, uh, so they, they said, why don't you start dressing a little bit more like you? And this is the after picture there. A pretty great makeover, right, isn't it? And then there uh, was Megan. Uh, shows Megan right here. Uh, that's, uh, you can see that uh, she is a musician, and uh, she started to actually gain some success, and uh, decide, they said, you know, you really need to show that success, and this is what, uh, the, what she looks like today. Yeah, pretty amazing uh, picture there. They're saying what you're wearing doesn't reflect the real you, and the Apostle Paul says that as well. He's, he says this, Colossians 3.10, put on, notice the language of getting dressed, put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Will you circle new and renewed? The idea is that we need to uh, put on who we are in Christ, and when we wander away from that, we need to be renewed. So, it starts with our identity. Who am I in Jesus? Who has He created me to be? That I'm no longer that list of things I used to do. I'm number one, God's child. And then uh, secondly, we see that He says, eradicate any attitude of entitlement. 
Uh, and how do we do that? We do that through thankfulness. And in fact, you'll notice here in Colossians 3, uh, 15 through 17, notice uh, the words, the verbiage around thankfulness. It says, and be thankful, singing with gratitude. Notice the words around thankfulness, thankfulness and with gratitude in your hearts and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in all the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, notice that again, to God the Father through Him. That it's hard to feel entitled when we're thankful. You, you know, I, I get this too often. I, I too often. Someone will come, and it's usually after uh, a big no-no. And uh, often it's an affair. It's something like that that's gone on. And they'll say, well, they weren't meeting my needs. Or someone steals. And, well, they owed it to me. And I get how you feel like that. I mean, haven't we all felt like that? But that's an attitude of entitlement. That I'm going to take what's mine, and here's the thing that we're really saying, because God is incapable of providing it for me. See, if we trust God to provide it, then we're going to live differently. There's an uh, a, a his name is Hans Style, and he's a stress expert. And he writes this, and this is, you know, th this is, again, written from a more scientific perspective. He says this, gratitude is the most helpful emotion a human can feel. There's evidence that gratitude actually increases immunities along with other physical benefits. So if there's physical benefits, just think of the, the relational and the spiritual benefits. When we're uh, prone to lash out in anger instead of saying, you know what? That made me mad, but I am thankful for you because I know that what made me mad is not the totality of you. That leads to number three, actively choose how you respond. Here's a problem is that we have buttons that can be pushed. Uh, do any of you have people that can push your buttons? Any of you marry that button, you know? <laughs> yeah, we... We still can choose how we respond. In fact, Viktor Frankl, a Jewish philosopher who actually was uh, in a Nazi concentration camp, when everything was taken away, he, he, he said, I have one fundamental freedom, and that's the freedom to choose how I'm going to respond to this horrible plight I find me, myself in. You know, and in that, we can choose a different path. You know, oftentimes we'll, we'll just go to the default emotion. Instead of saying, you know what? I don't have to act that way. It says uh, back in verse 8 that you must rid yourselves. The idea is that we have a choice. See, what we have is uh, there's a stimulus and then there's a choice, and that equals the behavior. And we're going to learn it one way or another. Obviously, 
you know, living in a way we want to live in a way, hopefully that honors God. But it's just the smart way. I, I shared, and I'm better, I'm better on like the anger thing than I used to be. I remember when I was at college at University of Washington, uh, it was a beautiful sunny day, and I'm out uh, in, in my car, and uh, I, f- I forget what the situation uh, was, but uh, I was driving along, and this guy sort of cuts in front of me, and then, and then yells at me, and, and gestures, he waves to me, but forgot a few fingers, and all of that, and, uh, and so I, I in, in full of the Holy Spirit, I blessed him loudly, and, and was, you know, I was just, just totally just lashed out in anger, and uh, then I drove away. Well, he followed me, and I'm thinking, ah, okay, and then I look back, and I see it's not him, it's him and three of his friends, and in the words of one of my favorite comedians, I didn't know how many of them it would take to kick my butt, but I knew how many of them they were going to use. <laughs> so I, I'm there and I'm sweating, living out the consequences of my behavior. And I've told this story uh, a number of years ago, not here, and someone said, what happened? And uh, what happened was I didn't know what to do, and so I drove back to my fraternity where Praise the Lord, 70 of my fraternity brothers were bathing out front. Uh, sunbathing, not bathing, that sounds weird. <laughs> okay, sunbathing. <laughs> and there was this toga party. <laughs> sunbathing. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> The problem was, is that I was an idiot, is I, I just lashed out, and I saw where that could have led me. And many of you, you've seen that, you saw where it has led you. And uh, the Apostle Paul would say this, that there's a different way. He says, therefore, uh, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, knows that language with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So what is that? Let me quickly, let's unpack that just a little bit. What is compassion? Compassion means getting into their shoes. What is it like to be them? By the way, uh, for this is not a, a marriage talk at all, but you want a better marriage? Ask yourself the question every time. I wonder what their day was like. And don't imagine just, you know, all the good stuff. Imagine the difficulties, and you'll have a little more compassion. And then kindness is treating them better than they deserve. See, it's interesting if if you look at this passage, the root of the problems are always start in the me, but the solution is always in the we, is how we interact with others. And then humility, thinking of yourself less. By the way, this takes incredible self-concept. People who are insecure cannot be humble because we have to prove ourselves all the time. Humility comes from a position of strength. And then gentleness. Consider the emotional impact. Consider the emotional impact of the words that you say. Not just the tone, 
But when you say it, how you say it, everything about it. And then patience, putting up with more than I should. Saying, maybe I'm in the right. Maybe I do deserve this. Maybe I, I have these rights where I feel like they've been violated. But because of what God has done through, uh, to me, for me, through his son Jesus Christ, I'm going to be patient because he was patient with me. And this number four is uh, root your faith in grace. When we do that, when, when we're living not out of this legalism, we talked about that last week, but out of grace, then we can show more grace. And you know what? Some of these secrets from our past and some of these behaviors that just are so uh, in control of us, they lose their power because God's grace has power. But instead, what we can do is try to, try to hide it, try to fix it. When we lived in uh, California, uh, uh, my wife and I both working, were working, and, and at one point, uh, we had a housekeeper uh, come into the home. And this was, I thought, it was going to be incredible, because uh, we had never had someone to clean the house before. And uh, we, we hired this person, and she came on Tuesdays. And I knew she was coming on Tuesdays, because every Monday night, and I do not understand this, we had to clean the house. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, <laughs> now maybe I've missed the concept of this, you know? I thought, this is great, we're both working, we're finally at a point. I thought we had the housekeeper, so we didn't need to clean the house. And we'd get in this conversation, my wife would say, I don't want her to see what a mess it is. And I'm thinking, she'll look at that and she'll think, employment security, that's what she'll think. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's so funny is we are so like that. And where we're most like that is when it comes to our relationship with God. When it comes to allowing Him to work in our hearts and life for lasting, positive, personal change. And when we say, say instead, God, I come messy, I come relying on Your grace, but I believe you are enough. You living in me are enough. I'll start with who you are that I, and who I am. I'm new in you. That I'm thankful for that. And it's out of that I will choose to live differently. Where's the hardest place to live this out? With our hurts. So the Apostle Paul says after all of this, he says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If you have any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Here's some extra credit for us in all of this. It says, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be what? Thankful. 
One of the cool things that we're going to get to see on some of uh, our services and some of our campuses this weekend is baptisms again. We just had a bunch of people baptized, but then after that, a bunch more said, hey, I want that. I want to live out that symbol of a new life in Jesus. And so uh, in that, I just, I just think it's great for us to understand how the messiness of our lives intersect with the powerfulness of God's grace. So take a look at Nicole's story. <laughs> 